surreal is the word that springs to mind over the last hour. But, um, uh, but um, we're, we're a, if you're here for the first time, we give you a particularly warm welcome. We are a group of Christians that believe that God is alive and real. And in Jesus Christ has brought an amazing gift of love to the earth. And he's still changing people today. And that's... Being a church is a lifeboat. Uh, in the sense of women and children first, we love the women of our church and we take opportunities to honour that. And as you can see, we absolutely love the kids, but we love men in the house as well. And uh, today is an opportunity to honour fathers in the house and uh, men in our church community. And uh, so we, we really do welcome you. And we trust that over the next few minutes, God will just speak to us in the power of his word. I just encourage you, particularly those that, uh, uh, people that are committed to this house, to continue to pray. It was uh, our joy on Friday afternoon, despite uh, the M1 as normal on, uh, at that time of the day, sort of getting blocked with uh, traffic jams, for Christian and me and a number of the team from Arena to welcome Jessica Lee, our local MP, but also the Minister for Work and Pensions, Ian Duncan Smith, also came to that meeting. Um, he's interested in community projects and work that is taking place uh, to help people uh, find a, a fresh purpose in their life. And so he graciously gave us about 30 minutes of his time and uh, Christian shared in terms of the vision and spoke about Food Bank and some of the representatives of groups around the church were here. It was just a wonderful time and uh, just encourage you to keep praying. The Bible tells us to pray for those in authority and that we need to keep praying that God will bless them. Just also to say that next week uh, in our community service, we've got a number of local civic dignitaries coming to the service. And again, we'd really encourage you to make them very, very welcome. And uh, it's just a great chance for us to connect. So often churches got a bad press over the years. So often people have preconceived ideas of what it's about. So often people think it's boring and irrelevant. And by God's grace and help, we really are trying to book the trend. And uh, realize, friends, that you won't want to be anywhere else, but as part of a a, a community of believers that love God, that find a purpose for life and serve him with a passion. So we encourage you to keep praying for all of those situations. There's three, vi- uh, three Bible verses that I think are going to go up on the screen in terms of uh, the title of this morning's message, which is, We Can't, Can't Buy Me Love. So the first one is found near the end of the New Testament, and it says, See or behold... Uh, what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And this is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. God has lavished his love upon us. The next one, Chris, is found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. And he simply says that we're to follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children. One translation says to imitate God. The original meaning of that word is literally to mimic God, to live in a way, as, as, as God has laid an example for us in Jesus. And the third one is found also in Ephesians from the message. It says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them, but take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. <clears throat> now, I like a good quote, and uh, I, I sometimes like to throw a quote into the message, and I want just to bring four or five quotes to you this morning, and the last one we're going to particularly think about for the few moments that we've got this morning. So first quote is, My father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give anyone. He believed in me. The second one is, Dad, you're someone to look up to no matter how tall I've grown. And uh, that, that again is a great quote. Third one, my dad didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. Did you know, friends, it's not only what's taught, but it's what's caught that makes great fathers. 
I love this one, and uh, appropriated to Mark Twain originally, I understand. When I was 14, my father was so clueless, I could not hardly stand to be around him. By the time I was 21, I was amazed how much he'd learnt in the last seven years. Ah, <laughs> oh, the joys of coming from adolescence to maturity. It's wonderful. He's past, Chris. He's past, yeah. It's amazing how much Dad's learned during those adolescent years. And the final one is the one that uh, I, I found this week that I, I want to attribute to Karen J. John, a, a great communicator of the good news, not only in our nation, but to the nations. And J. John said this, he says, a child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. And that really is the, uh, the, the task of the next few minutes, is to bring a dual application uh, to fathers, but also for it to spill over to the wider congregation this morning, to recognize that God has brought something to us, and as God has brought something to us, he wants something of that to flow out from us. Now, don't worry, I'm not asking you to live like God, because we're all on a journey. But here's the truth, friends. Here's the amazing truth. Not in our own efforts, our own strength, our own religion, but when Jesus Christ becomes the Lord and Master of our life, he actually begins to give us a grace and a desire and a passion to reflect something of the life of God in us. And that includes in the whole area of fathering. I understand that we, as Christian alluded to at the beginning of the service when he prayed, that very often in our nation, and this would go out actually uh, across many, many uh, areas of the world, particularly the Western world, particularly the materialistic world, that fathers have very often got a bad press. And sometimes rightly so. They've been feckless, they've been faithless, and often they've been forgetful of the privilege that God has given to them. And of course, I, I speak as a dad today. And someone says that it's sometimes easier to become a father than to be one. And that's reflected in our society. And uh, the trip side of that is that fathers grow up with such a sense of insecurity as to whether they will come up to the mark. They actually put unrealistic expectations on themselves all the time. So they're even guilty sometimes of going to work and earning a cross because they're not with the children. And guys, you just need to chill out because it's not going to work like that. You, you, you know, it's going to be a situation where God's going to give you the help and the grace that you need to be what he's called you to be. And so for these moments, I want us to remind ourselves again of just how much the Heavenly Father loves each one of us, his children. And also to be encouraged this morning that as we receive of that, that we can let some of that spill out to impact a needy world. And again, just to say amen to what Christian said earlier. It may be this morning, friends, that biologically you're not a father yet. But I want to tell you that we need the Father Spirit emerging and arising in all sorts of different contexts. If I can say to some of our young guys that are on a spiritual journey, that maybe yet haven't uh, taken the plunge of marriage or entered into starting a family, the reality is that some of the kids that come into your context week after week in arena need some sense of fathering already. And you can bring something to them out of the depth of your journey that they're not getting in other areas. And all around this church, one of the passions of this church is actually this church would reflect a fathering spirit. It's very interesting, friends, that so often we can feel a little bit under attack in all of that, but we must press through and be what God's called us to be. You see, the Bible says in Romans that we have not received a spirit of fear that brings us to bondage, but we've received a spirit of sonship, and by that spirit we cry, Abba, Father. The regional language of the, of the New Testament contains an Aramaic word there, and it literally means dada. 
We have not received a spirit of bondage that brings us to fear. Because fear binds, fear taunts. Fear always sets up our failures. We have not received that spirit. But when Jesus Christ has become into our lives, we've received a spirit of sonship. And by that spirit, we're able to cry, Dada. That's the intimate relationship that God wants with each of us in this world today. Imitate God. And as we trust to the journey of being a believer in Jesus Christ, we can increasingly reflect that heart. And let me say right at this very moment, friends, that you may have been in church, you may have been harangued here this morning, you may have been uh, blackmailed by, what would you really like me to do for Father's Day? I'd like you to come to church. And you found yourself here. But it was not the sort of church I was expecting. But somehow something's stirring in your heart. Somehow God's speaking to you. It may be that you've been one of those dads that's laid unrealistic expectation on your life. And the more you raise the bar, the more you condemn yourself as being a failure. I want to say, friends, it all flows out of a relationship with God. It brings us to a place where we'll bring our fallenness, we'll bring our brokenness, we'll bring our mistakes, we'll bring our errors. We'll bring everything that we feel has been uh, deficient in terms of what God wants us to be. And we'll put it all at the cross of Jesus and say, God, you know all about it. And today I step into a relationship with you. I don't know too much about all of this, but I know that I can't do it in my own strength. And Jesus Christ in the power of his spirit begins to live in our hearts and begins to give us the strength, the grace, the wisdom, the power, the anointing to be what God has called us to be. Let me give you just four things that reflect the father heart of God that I think need to spill out from fathers in our day. Number one, fathers are loving. Behold what love the father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. Remember a few weeks ago when Christian was talking about deeper love and he rolled out again 1 Corinthians 13 and he did it through the brilliant writings of Eugene Peterson. My, what challenging words. You see, because it's not a love, friends, that's merely romantic. It's not a love that's merely fleeting. It's not a love that's in and out one day and not the next. It's a love that is rooted right in the will of our hearts. And God loved us, even when we didn't deserve it. The Bible tells us that while we were far from God, he still loved us. He looked down the history of time, friends, and he saw this June morning, 2012, so that he could impact people with the power of his love. And for us to get a God, it meant a price has to be paid. Because there was a huge chasm between a holy God and a people that had made mistakes and erred and missed the mark. And the price has been paid. You don't have to pay it. The wonderful messages that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, gave his life for us, he paid the price completely. And if you'll step into the payment of that price, you can come to understand that God is loving. God wants loving dads. Someone says that love is never afraid to give too much. It goes on loving. It goes on loving. It goes on loving. Fathers are forgiving. Ephesians 1.7 says that we receive forgiveness from our sins. You know, sometimes when people talk about forgiveness, they think that we are treating wrong lightly. That is to misunderstand forgiveness. It may be, friends, around this room today, you've been grievously hurt on occasions, and it may be that you've been grievously hurt in a father context. You say, there's no way I'm forgiving. In fact, I'm living with unforgiveness. I want to say that if you determine to make the decision to live with unforgiveness, you're signing a death knell over your heart and spirit. 
and the destiny of God over your life. It's a lid that will press you down and demean you and belittle you. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. And I encourage you today, friends, to let forgiveness flow. Forgiveness flow. God is a forgiving God. He forgives us past. He forgives us present. And he forgives us future. Forgiveness is not uh, looking upon something lightly as though it didn't carry some context. But it is to look upon it as though it never took place. It's not condoning the past, but it's cancelling its impact. Forgiveness received means forgiveness released. You see, right at the end of the Lord's Prayer that we know, our Father in Heaven, there's a little caveat that says that if we don't forgive people what they've done against us, God's going to find it incredibly difficult to forgive what we've done against him. Fathers, today, receiving the forgiveness of God, releasing forgiveness to other people, how about forgiving yourself? How about stop beating yourself up? How about drawing a line under the mistakes, the failures? How about this morning, really dig, like, dig deep in your heart and, saying, and, and literally forgiving yourself also and walking into the rest of your purpose and destiny in the life of God? Fathers are directing. 1, 1 Corinthians 4.15 in the message says, there are many guardians who can't tell you, can't wait to tell you when you've done wrong. Ever come across people like that? It's a religious spirit, friends. Someone says that religion loves to pounce. Can't wait to tell you when you've gone wrong. But it goes on to say there are not many fathers that will take the time and the help to cause you to grow up. We don't need a guardian spirit in the church. We need a father spirit. We don't know people prowling around policing the church, just looking for people to get it wrong and then diving in and telling them so. We need people, friends, that will take the time and trouble to help folks to come to maturity. And it means directing. I was going to use the word discipline, but discipline has got such a negative connotation. But let me tell you, there's a sense where that is exactly what I'm saying. See, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 11, God talks about disciplining us. He said, if I don't bring discipline to your life, actually, you're not my sons. But the very sign that I bring some direction to your life, that I seek to knock the rough edges off, that I bring some, sometimes some uncomfortable moments to you, that determining you to be better is the very sign that I love you. You've heard some of the context and challenges today through the videos of all that that brings to us. But the reality is, friends, that it's well worth it in terms of bringing direction to people to help them walk in what God's called them to walk in. And God brings exactly the same to us. And fourthly, fathers are continuing. Because the Bible says that love never gives up. We sing a song in our church that says, your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. It goes on to say, it goes on and on and on and on it goes. Paul tried to describe this in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, because the love of God, you can't get over it. You can't get under it. You can't get round it. Oh, wonderful love. And the reality is, friends, that that love is a continuing expression of all that God is doing. Continuing. It may be sometimes that God's felt like giving up on us, but he never has. It may be that there are times when you felt like giving up on your kids. I urge you not to. I urge you to continue to be resilient, to press forward, and see that all that God wants to do in them and you for the glory and praise of the Lord. Here's three things, friends, that I think dads ought to be. 
I get dads talking to me saying, I'm conscious that I'm working long hours. I'm conscious that I don't spend as much time with the children as I'd like to. At least you're spending some time with them. I'm conscious of this, I'm conscious of that. Here's three things that you need to do. Number one, you need to celebrate their successes. God does. God likes it when we do well. Did you realize that? God loves it when we do well. When your kids come home from school, I mean, had a great school report, I mean, scored that winning goal, whatever it is, to celebrate their successes. Because God celebrates the successes of our lives. When you get a promotion at work, God's glad. When you find restoration in a relationship, God's glad. When you find your place in the body of Christ to serve, God's glad. He celebrates the successes of our lives. Number two, you need to help with decisions because God does. God says that if we trust in the Lord, he'll direct our paths. If we don't lean onto our understanding, he'll lead us in the ways that we should go. Can I say, dads, you're not there to make all the decisions for your children. And by the time they get into their teens and 20s, they're not going to let you. It's called control. It's not an occupant of the house. You've got to help them with their decisions. It's navigating the process from childhood to adulthood. And God loves it, friends, when he's able to help us with our decision-making. The third thing is that you need to comfort your children when they're hurt, because God does. If you're a hurting person around the church today, you might have a smile on your face, but deep in your heart there's some hurt. God comes close, friends. God God hovers over brokenness. God comes to where people are bereft of hope. God loves to build trust in people afresh. God loves to take the wounded and the broken and give them a fresh start. And it may be at times that your kids will come home and they're hurt. Never mind that first boyfriend. And it's when the first boyfriend says, you don't want to go out. You don't want to go out with her anymore. That's even worse. And the door slam and there's deafening silence upstairs. And uh, you can look at uh, page 32 of what Dr. Dobson says about all that. But it's not going to work, friends. It's an intuitive thing. And please hear me. I'm not bagging the great Dr. Dobson. It's an intuitive thing of coming alongside people that are hurting. And God does. I want to say there's no hurt in this room today that's too big for the love of God. There's no hurt beyond his fathership. There's no hurt that cannot be healed. There's nothing that can stop you being what God has called you to be. A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. We exalt Father God today. We celebrate and honor fathers across the life of of Arena Church. We believe in you because God believes in you. And we believe in God. And as we believe in God, God believes in us. And today I encourage you to be people that receive from the Father, but also reflect the Father. You do it by loving and forgiving and directing and continuing. That you run to the heart of God. And as you run to the heart of God and receive that then you'll also reflect something of his beauty and his grace. The impact will be beyond words.